Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. This is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are... So, so excited I, I just, to be here. We, yeah, we're excited to be here, and I just so love what we're doing. I mean, it's just, we've been doing this for f- almost six years, and um, uh, once a week, dive into Warren Buffett's strategies for investing, um, just kind of taking them apart, unpeeling the onion now for, for six years. We we wander off into the weeds regularly, but in general, we're That's unpeeling the, the onion. part. Yeah, today, we're, we realized that about a year ago, we were working our way through the checklist that we use. That you to, use. That I use. That was the royal we. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> we, as in me, my analysts, this is what we've put together. And um, this is this is really highly proprietary, but we're going to kind of go through it with you guys and make it sort of a public thing here. Um I'm not sure it's the greatest idea I ever had is to tell you guys all about my checklist, but <laughs> <laughs> it is it is really valuable. And it comes from a lot of, of pain and suffering over 40 years of investing to come up with a checklist that's not so long that you just don't do it, but deep enough that it it really brings you to the critical things that you, that can foul you up that have messed me up over, over the last four decades. Hmm. So it yeah, was that's fun kinda... also when we went through before to kind of like try to understand it, to understand that words mean different things to different people. And the way you wrote something didn't make sense to me or like the way I understood it wasn't the way that it was intended to produce a certain kind of answer. So that was really intriguing to me that a, a checklist is so personal. So do we do we have the numbers of the che- like? It would be nice if we if it was easy for people to go back and look at the numbers where we were talking about the checklist. It's very easy. So we last talked about this checklist uh, last year. So about a year ago, or when the episodes came out, it was last summer, and it starts at episode two sixty nine. And we did a few, then we did some other topics, and we ended up around episode 280, 280, I think was the last checklist episode. So we did that because we were going through these these um, checkpoints, these points, what do you call a point on a checklist? These points in extreme detail, massive detail, and we kept on getting sidetracked into other things so that we wouldn't have to talk about the detail of the checklist for mm, you know seven months so we took a break I've been thinking about it ever since and I'm super excited to go through the rest of your checklist and we'll see if you show us the whole thing or not well you know from 269 to 280 okay those that's where we went from radar where the idea comes from through 
the four elements of understanding the business, meaning moat management and the big two thirds of the margin of safety stuff. Yeah. Which was margin of safety through a discounted cash flow analysis and also looking at the payback time, which is a private equity view of it. That's the last thing we did. I think that was 280. And yeah. um and so we're gonna pick it up there uh today. But let's but go through them a little bit. Summary. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And Fast as we went summary. through it, I mean, I'm learning this at the same time as I mean, we're as we're doing this podcast. So I wrote each one down. So I went back and found my notebook that I wrote them in, and um, and that's those are my notes. So I'm excited to go through it and continue. Well, I'm going to blitz this so we don't get caught up in just a total review here because we were yeah. in enormous detail back in those those previous uh, podcasts. So let's just start with uh, with where we start, which is I really like to find a company that other gurus have bought into, um, but I really want to kind of know in general where the idea comes from. So that's the first thing we call radar. Okay. And, um, and I really want to see that business in in a, in a bit. I want the business to be something I'm passionate about. So we have these ideas of three circles and, and both passion, talent, and and where you're making and spending money. And I really want that business to be in there. It's it's so important that Lee Lu says, Lee Lu is obviously somebody we've talked about here, a great investor, who says it's the most important thing. Having that passion. Having passion for what you're buying. I couldn't For what you're more. owning. Yeah. So important. And that means since you're not going to be passionate about the same things I'm passionate about, you're going to have to figure out on your own who you are. <laughs> so investing <laughs> is such a self-reflective thing. Mm -hmm. It's like you're looking in the mirror and what comes back out at you is you. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you realize it, that you're not somebody else, you're you and you have uniqueness in the world. And you need to use that uniqueness and expand on it. That's the first thing to get. Right. So the checkpoints in that section are meant to get at that. To get at that. Result. Right on. Okay. So next one is understanding the meaning. Next major section is understanding the meaning of the business. And this is so easy to skip over. Um, we've got 10 points here that I want you to go back through and look at. But it's super important that the business is something you really get, that, you, that you, you've gone from I'm capable of understanding it, which takes you into the idea of maybe I should look at this, to I do understand it. This checklist says I understand it now. So this requires a substantial amount of work somewhere. I mean, you're not, <laughs> not going to get there. But the beauty is once you've done all that work, and you understand this business, then the businesses that are next to this business or competing with it, you already have done the work. I think it's so important. And I think that's why I appreciated the checklist so much, because it is something that's so easy inside my little head here to just go, yeah, I, I understand a retail store. Obvious. Like, what do you take me for? Of course I do. Move on. Right. Stop Move wasting on. time. There's also that feeling of like, don't waste time. Right. And it's, I think what the checklist does that's so important and kind of cool in a, in a like crazy way is how it forces me to go back 
and question myself and make sure that like I've done the work in about seven different ways. Like the first point on here is I can describe how the business makes money in a simple sentence. That's hard. That's hard. <laughs> I mean, for a, it, for most public companies, it, which have multiple revenue streams right, right. and are complicated and right. have plans to do something different in the future than maybe they do exactly right now. That's hard. You can't. And that's a huge clue. That's a huge clue. I'm reminded, this section reminds me that Bill Ackman, who is fabulous and manages $10 billion, great ruler And we investor, just talked about his checklist last his time. His checklist. Bill, Bill, Bill got off track when he started having that bit of hubris that we get because we start to feel like we know what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. He's managing $10 billion. I feel like I know what I'm doing. Harvard Business School, I'm one of those guys kind of thing, right? I'm not, <laughs> Bill Ackman is. And he got into that state of mind where the businesses he was picking were not so simple. Mm -hmm. And he realized he had to come back to that simplicity. Those were the businesses where he made the most money. And so almost like the 80-20 rule, right? The, the old 80-20 rule where 20% of the people cause 80% of the problems and 20% of the people are 80% of your profits or something like, I don't remember what it is, but the idea that a relatively small number of things are going to contribute the most to your success to the point that Buffett is basically saying, find 20 companies, but just find them under these rules. And that's find really 20 companies, but find, oh, find them under his rules. Yeah. Find yeah, them yeah. These, these kinds of rules yeah. where you're buying $10 bills at $5 and you know, the business is, you know, you know, you're, and you're buying fear. You're not buying greed, right? Yeah. By the way, I just I did a I did a video yesterday. I guess it's kind of it'll come up sometime in the next month on our on our uh, YouTube video channel for Rule One Investing on um, Wall Street, the movie Wall Street from 1987. My staff pulled up a couple of clips. Is that and the one the, with um, Michael Douglas and um, Charlie Sheen? Yes, where Michael Douglas is standing in a boardroom <clears throat> with all the investors and he is pounding the table about how great it is for how how greed is great. Okay. I have, right? have like the slimmest of memories of that movie. Right. Well, it kind of created us a, a meme uh, that, you know, Wall Street people are greedy bastards and, and yeah. doing things for money. It was very 80s. Yeah. Very 80s. Yeah, and and I just I realized when I was watching this clip that um, essentially these guys were talking about companies that were really undervalued, and Michael Douglas was coming in there as a raider and taking them apart, right? Okay. So these are businesses that, and he starts talking about the things you need to know, and he's talking exactly like we're, we're talking right now, just what we're talking oh. about right now. Really? So, yeah, it was amazing. And I'm like, wow, the screenwriters put this under the great overarching word greed. And yet the principles that he was using are right on. And we're like, holy smokes, this is so fascinating. But and, if he comes and, in to tear apart a business and sell off the pieces, is that what you just said, I think? He, yeah, that's he's a raider. Then he's not right? looking for a great business that's going to do really well in the future, which is what we're looking for. But he's looking for value, right? Yeah. Right. It's a different way of looking at it. And what he's doing, I talked about how Warren Buffett did that when he initially started. 
he raided a company in Nebraska and very quickly discovered what a terrible thing it is to be responsible for lo- people losing their jobs in a small town. And he hmm. never did it again. Hmm. So um, I, I'm not sure why I got onto that, except that understanding the business and and making sure that it's simple is critical to any kind of investment structure that you do. Everything else is just speculation. And even in a movie like Wall Street, those guys had to understand the business well enough to know the value, well enough to know they could break it up and make a lot of money. Yeah, and well, that's true. So, anyway, I mean, that, I'm a little uncomfortable being pr- compared potentially to nasty corporate readers who destroy lives and jobs and something that people have built. Uh, that is yeah, I don't, not what I want to be part of in any way. But shape, that's or form. a that's. That is more of a personal choice than a moral choice. In other words, there is a place for raiders, absolutely, just as there is a place for wolves. You know, caribou in like a don't weird like sort wolves. of no, in a, in a very way. important sort of way. But because <laughs> if companies aren't held to a standard of of value creation, if they're just now, this isn't to say Michael Douglas is a great representative of this. But yeah. right, because I think in the end he was doing insider trading, really. Actually, he was talking about how you got to do all this work and it's dog eat dog. And really, he was just insider trading. Yeah, and people, wasn't that? Paying people. I, I mean, I can't even remember. I can't what remember that the story exactly either. But about. that's not where we want to go here. What we, wanted, no. what we want to go here is to say that understanding the business is critical. And if you understand the business and you don't mind being the bad guy, um, there is a place in the world for the wolves and the hyenas. They're they're necessary in the ecosystem. There there has to be uh, in the investing ecosystem. There has to be people who are willing to come in and take your company away from you if you're not running it well. Yeah, that's but I I don't goes. know. I guess you you like that analogy, but to me that does not that's not like a terrible wolves coming to kill you. Hyenas coming to feast upon the dead kind of situation. Really? It's people coming in who can potentially help this company to do better and if people are running it right now and not doing a good job and somebody else can do a better job to make this company do better and grow and fulfill its potential and create better products and provide better services i I don't see that as wolves or hyenas okay then let me explain the wolves and hyenas analogy real quick because it isn't what you just said It is people who are very much going to kill the beast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. They're going to kill it and they're going to eat it. And it's a valuable thing when you have weakness in the herd for the benefit of the herd. You got to have wolves. You wipe out the wolves, the herd gets much weaker and ultimately is much worse off. Very true. And so same thing works like that in capitalism where you have raiders who are able to come in and they're going to disassemble this business because the management team has been incapable of finding a way to transfer this business 
focus to something that's going to grow and be useful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the new world. Mm-hmm. They're living, they're, they're a harness making company in the world of cars. Or if you want to put it in today's terms, they're, they're a, they're a diesel spewing, gasoline spewing car manufacturer in a world that's rapidly changing to electric vehicles. And if yeah. they don't change, they're going to get left behind. And that happens all the time in big businesses. Big businesses are very, very resistant to change. And that's why capitalism works so well. Uh, you know, bureaucracies are resistant to change. Everybody's got a locked in place. Everybody's making money. Why upset the apple cart? And so the wolves will come in when this has gone too far and it's too late for this company to go become an electric car manufacturer. But the assets are valuable if you split them up. Definitely. I've been reading Warren Buffett's letters, as I've said many times now, and he just recently, recently, I'm like in my world of chronological Buffett letters. Right. Um, recently in 1973. In, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in like roughly like 2010, 2011, 2012. But he's said this many, many times over the years of the letters. Um, he's said that he purposely chooses to keep companies that they've bought, usually from families as long as those, even if those companies are not making the kind of earnings that he expected them to make when he bought them. So if they're not living up to the potential that he had anticipated, he will not close those companies down as long as they're still making enough, as long as they're still doing okay. And Mm -hmm. half of that reason is because he promised the families that that's what he would do. And the other half is, they're still doing okay and they're employing people and they're not a drag on Berkshire. And then he always, whenever he makes that point, he always concludes with a statement that if the company does become a drag, if the company is not making enough money to support itself, he will act swiftly and will shut it down. And that he learned that lesson from the Berkshire Hathaway <laughs> Berkshire textile Hathaway mill. Textile yeah. mill. Which he kept exactly. going for so many years, so many years, yeah. entirely because it employed people who had no real skills that they could transfer to other places and because it was largely an aging workforce. Mm-hmm. And he did that because it was the right thing to do. And then at a certain point, it became untenable and he did shut it down. Right. And so I've, I've appreciated his honesty in the dichotomy between those two decisions that you keep it going and not everyone would do it like that but his choice at berkshire because they you know can afford it so is this is all about you keep the, it going this is all about the meaning of the business so understanding it completely in the context that it's in where is it going to go all that stuff the industry yeah. it's in the competitors all right then the next one <laughs> okay is are we back to the checklist now? understanding the <laughs> moat of the business um, we've spent a lot of time on moat. Um, obviously, this is absolutely critical. And I would say probably the single thing that novice investors screw up the most is the moat. <laughs> I think it's I the mean, thing all investors screw up the most. Yeah, probably right. I'm certainly this is the thing Buffett screwed up. That When he makes mistakes, it's typically a mistake of moat. Once in a while management, but mostly moat. Uh, thinking that there's a competitive advantage that gets wiped out after he buys the company or it wasn't there in the first place. So good list of how to, how to nail down the moat. And then the management of the business, the next part of understanding that big, the big area of understanding the business is the management. And we've got some 
parts of the checklist that are very objective, right? Um, that we try to be objective. A lot of them straight what you taught me back four years ago, five years ago. Yep. Like checking the debt, checking the free cash flow, checking the earnings. To this day, to this day, the first thing I look at when I'm looking at a business is return on invested capital, which is a management, definitely a management allocation of capital decision. And if I see that thing under 10%, it is, I'm very rarely going to look deeper. And mm. that'll be the end of that. And the second thing I look at is debt. So if I've got, and you see it all the time, you see companies with good return on invested capital, um, but they got a pile of debt that they're dealing with, or they have weak return on invested capital and a pile of debt. Those are the easiest ones to just know. Management is not doing a good job um, with this company. So there's, there's, and then there's the, the, the subjective thing, which is I trust this CEO to behave with integrity. Oh, yeah. Oh, have I ever been burned on that one from time to time uh, really badly once and um, still hoping to put those people in jail five years later. And it looks like less and less chances. I think they're going to get away with it. But <clears throat> it's a really tough one. It's very hard to know that one for sure. But there, there's your checklist on management. Mm -hmm. Then we went into the valuation aspect of understanding the business, the margin of safety, which is very straightforward on the checklist. But the critical thing there is when you're doing a margin of safety analysis, you're doing a discounted cash flow, very MBA-ish sort of a look at the thing, and uh, very Wall Street. And you have to realize that small changes in the growth rate and the P-E ratio make for very big changes Huge. in the valuation of the business. And understand you're not going to be able to have certainty about the growth rate. I mean, you just can't look into the future and see that clearly. And yeah. so it's one way to look at the business. Also, the year that you start, like looking back, the year that you start your growth to, to analyze how they've done makes a very big difference, big depending difference. on if that was a good year or a bad year. Right on. So there, there's a lot of subjectivity in how you do this discounted cash flow analysis, which we call the MOS, margin of safety analysis. Um, and it, one and what that I started I really using it liked, more, more for. Okay, go ahead. So I'm using it more and more. I mean, you may be interested in this too. I'm using it more and more as a look at, like where Manesh Prabhai says, what we're trying to do is buy a free lottery ticket. <clears throat> the free part is very much about buying $10 bills at $5, right? Okay. That's the free part, the free lottery ticket. You got a lot of margin of safety there. You've got a company you really understand. Very likely you're going to lose money. Very unlikely you'll lose money on it. And we'll talk about that more today when we talk about the 10 cap valuation. But the upside potential, the how much is in the lottery, how much is available there hmm. for me to win if hmm. I win, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And this is not entirely subjective. It, there's there's like, limits. It's like, is this a lottery ticket? Or is, is this? this just a ticket that's cheap? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's a huge difference there. Yeah. And so- what we I'm using the margin of safety analysis to do is to project a kind of optimistic bull market scenario where everything really goes well. And that makes me comfortable that I can use a growth rate that's, you know, on the positive side of things. I use a big P.E. ratio and I'm looking out here and seeing, OK, 10 years out, what's the future value of this business? Can I make 26 percent a year for 10 years on this thing or is it just no way? 
I'm buying it cheap, but it's gonna when it runs back up to its current price, it's game over. That's as far as it's gonna go because the growth rate isn't there. So um, I'm using this as the optimistic scenario in the three scenarios of pricing that we're using. You know, I just have to say, I'm feeling very sentimental today. It's so special to me that I get to talk to you about this. And oh, honey. Just, and it's, I'm just grateful that we have this forum because you know that we wouldn't do it without it. It's, we're it's too busy. It's a big busy. discipline to do this. Isn't it's it? a big discipline. And it's just, I don't know, I'm feeling it. Oh, it's very sweetie. special to me to get to have such an exchange of ideas and to learn so much. Thank you. Well, I'm sending you a big hug from Atlanta to Zurich right now. Oh. Big, mm, remember I used to do that when you were a little kid and we're, yeah. I was traveling? A yeah. Big, big hug on the phone. Big hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, sweetheart. It's so, it's uh, so special we do get to do this. I, I hope I hope you guys out there listening to this continue to enjoy it enough to, that that we, we keep doing it. We'll, we'll try to keep it interesting. We're going we're gonna to do it till we don't, you know? Yep, till we don't. <laughs> um Lots more to talk about here, though. So yeah. that's that's the margin of Let's safety. Let's finish that, up that our little summary, and then we'll start going on new ones next well, we're time. We're almost there. The payback yeah. time is the last one that we did, and that's pretty straightforward. That's that's uh, still using the growth rate, right? You still use a growth rate, um, but then you're going to use it on free cash flow, which is very easy to, to calculate. And um, And I like that one a lot because it tells me what I would be willing to pay for this if it was a private company, mm. right? And, mm. I, and I wanted to buy it. Um, so I'd be a little more conservative on the growth rate right there maybe. or um, But I'm not using a P-E ratio, so it doesn't have such a distortion impact. I might be off a year or two in terms of my payback time, but I'm not going to be crazily off of it. So that's that's the the how far we got to 280. And now... Yeah, we're, that one was actually... It's interesting. I'm looking and... There were actually a lot more on payback time than there were on the 10 cap. I think because the 10 cap is a pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, it's it's straight up. Problem. And I love the 10 cap. I mean, I think this is such a powerful way to evaluate uh, a business, piece of real estate, a farm operation, uh, a distributorship, a franchise. Um, when you're getting in with a true 10% yield on the purchase price, um, man, you're you're in such a good position um, to benefit from this thing as long as it's going to be more productive in a decade, right? That That's the key term. So this one is wonderful because this has no growth rate attached to it. So let's go through a very short checklist here on understanding the 10 cap price of the business. Yeah, well, well let's do that next time because we're really? we're running out of time today. We never, we never got, okay. I hate to, I hate to not do it you want to start a whole new section now yeah but it's just quick it's really should it's be really quick. quick all right all right it's quick and if it's not quick we'll come back to it next week what do you say because i mean we did tee it up so let's do it how about you tell us them and then we can talk about it more okay so week. the first and most okay wait a second because for my headings thing. here what section are we in now we're in pricing Understanding. The 10 cap price of the business. It's understanding and it's. We're not on uh, 10 cap. We already did. Valuation. Yeah, it's the valuation section or pricing section, whatever you put in there. Yeah, but are we but doing I'm going to keep going because when you start writing this down, it's slow. 
So I'm going to just keep going. I go slow because everybody's writing it down. Not, not just not me. They're in their car. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> this is where I got bored to tears is that you're writing it down. Um, what so are we on margin? So go back the tape. Are we on margin yes. of safety now? Yes. That major okay. section. Thank you. Safety. You're welcome. All right. Here we go. Quickly. All right. I'm highly confident this business will be larger and more productive in 10 years. That's the number one thing you got to ah. understand on the 10 cap. Well, that is the one. Wait, on the 10 cap? That's right. I was just about to say that's the first one on the 10 cap. That is. We're on the 10 cap. No, now. we've already done the 10 cap, Dad. No, we haven't. Yeah, Unless I have we all. We started with it. I have all the notes. We started with it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We went in a wrong order. Oh. Okay. Well, in that case, we do not have to do the 10 cap, and I'll just review it here real quickly, and then we're done with this one. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So that's all it is, is the 10 cap is just knowing the business is going to be bigger in 10 years, just like you know a house that you're going to buy will be. That's what I was going to say, that that years. was the one I particularly liked. It's such a good reminder of so that, looking the, ahead. The rest of it is very not subjective. It's just a checklist of going through the numbers and um, and making sure you know what those numbers are and ultimately ending up with a 10% yield on the purchase price. That's your 10 cap. And that's it. That's it. Yes. We are now caught up. We are also, now caught up. For anybody right. who wants to go back and listen to the 10 cap one, there's a whole episode on it. And then there's Excellent. a whole episode on the payback time. So next time we will come back with margin of safety section, correct? No. We haven't done the margin of safety? All no. right. I'm gonna look. We're gonna go look this up. I'm thinking we've done confusion here. pricing 10 cap and pricing oh. payback time. Oh, so we have not done margin of safety. All right. Then we'll pick up margin of safety next time. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward and uh and you'll get you guys will get it quick. Isn't it great that I took detailed notes? How would Thank we goodness. know? <laughs> Otherwise we'd be repeating something and leaving something out. How All right. awful. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. Time to go play. Hi guys, thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding, they really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And I'm really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.